Indriyarasa means the objects of sense organs. We said we have five organs of perception and there are five full objects in the world. Shabda, Sparsha, Rupa, Rasa, Gandha. The sound, the touch, the color and form, the taste, the smell, these are the fivefold objects and we have five organs of perception to experience them. And usually these sense organs have an affinity or attraction towards the sense ple- objects or objects of pleasure. There is usually an urge in the, in the mind to enjoy the objects of pleasure. That urge is there. <coughs> and that's one distracting factor. When I'm trying to meditate or concentrate my mind on something, then my tongue comes up with the, in the, with the uh, need that I want to eat something. Or the, the sense of smell, sense of sound. These different senses come up with their own urges of seeking pleasure. So as long as the mind is riddled with these urges or desires for enjoying various pleasures of the sense objects, so long the mind cannot enjoy steadiness. So what are the, what is it that actually creates distraction in the mind? What is that creates a difficulty in concentrating or focusing the mind? When we are trying to meditate, trying to do puja, trying to do japa, trying to focus our mind on anything that is pertaining to worship or pertaining to uh, the, the meditation, we find it very difficult to keep the mind steady. <clears throat> so Lord Krishna here points out two sources of the disturbance of the mind. One source is the mind's natural attraction towards the objects of pleasure. Since all along we have been getting pleasures from the pleasurable objects, it has always been our conclusion that the happiness lies out there. And therefore, I have been seeking different objects of pleasure to fulfill my desires. And it also seems to have in my experience that whenever I get something desirable, that I am happy. So even when you ask the children, when do you feel happy? So whenever I get what I want. So that is our usual experience, that whenever I get what I want, or whenever I enjoy what I like, I am happy. And mind always wants to be happy, therefore it has always been seeking these pleasurable objects. We should include other kinds of objects also. We should also include the objects of ego. Because ego gets pleasure out of getting power and recognition and wealth, etc. We can also include objects of emotions because our mind likes, gets pleasure out of company of the, the people or the things that it loves. So we get pleasure at different levels. We get pleasure at the level of senses from the sense objects. We get pleasure at the level of emotions from those whom we, we, are, we love. We get pleasure also at the level of intellect in knowing new things. Swami, this is a very wonderful movie you, about the birds, you know, excitement. You want to learn about those things, a discovery channel and whatever. So where you learn new things and there is a great joy involved in satisfaction of the intellect. So intellect also is seeking satisfaction, intellectual gratification. And the ego is seeking gratification, as we said, when 
it gets importance, it gets recognition, it gets respected, when it gets power, it gets dominance, it gets wealth. All of these the mind is seeking. And so, all of these are objects of pleasure at different levels because we have been getting our pleasure from them. And therefore, these things which are there in the world, they keep on impacting me by creating in me a desire to enjoy them. So there are all these huge hoardings are there, you know, you're driving along the road, all you see are different kinds of hoardings, different things. Whether they are computers, whether they are movies, whether they are restaurants, whether whatever, all kinds of things are there. And as you see them, or there are store friends are there and you're walking by, all of these have impact upon you. And they create desire to enjoy them. <coughs> So right now the situation is that the world keeps on creating in me desire to acquire and enjoy various things. And that is one major source of disturbance in the mind. Because even when I close my eyes and I'm trying to think of something, then the desires or those tendencies of seeking pleasure which are already there in my mind, they arise. And they create in me again the thoughts of desirable objects. So mind likes to think about what it loves. So rather than thinking of what I want the mind to think, I want the mind to think of Lord Dakshinamurti. But mind has its own agenda. It wants to think of coffee. When is this meditation be over? So I get coffee. I get my breakfast. I get this. I get my walk. Whatever. So mind finds pleasure from other things. As yet the mind has not discovered the joy of meditating on Lord Dakshamurti. And so the mind will naturally think of that from which it gets joy. So understand that this is the nature for mind is always seeking gratification. And therefore, so far it has been seeking, finding gratification, experiencing gratification from the objects of the world of different kinds that we describe. And as long as it does not find satisfaction within, or as long as it does not find satisfaction from what activity we give it, so long it will run away to there where it finds its satisfaction. So a child, poor thing, has been playing whole day for the whole year. Now comes the examination time. And mother has commanded no more playing, no more going out to neighborhood, nothing. Sit home and study, morning till evening. So what do you expect? This poor child looks at the book and you know, dozes off because it doesn't interest him at all. Geography and geometry, nothing. It doesn't interest him. He only thinks of his friends are playing with marbles and playing with this and you know. That's all he thinks, thinks about. So mind likes to think about that which it enjoys. So the children then complain, Swamiji, I can't focus. I, I can't focus on my study. What should I do? But then when you're studying a, a, a storybook, do you focus? Then he focuses all that because he enjoys that. When you're watching TV, do you focus? Yes, no problem. While watching movie, no problem. While playing video game, no problem. No problem in focusing. He can shoot out everything, which I cannot do. 
when it comes to geography or whatever, you know, he is, because there is no interest. And therefore, when will our mind stay with us? Only when it discovers an interest with itself. Whenever it can be happy with itself, then alone it will not run away in search of happiness. Like the cat, you know, starts out in the morning, hunting for various things, you know, looking everywhere, until his stomach is full. And so the mind also goes, as soon as it wakes up, it starts shopping. It just runs out through the organs of perception, through various objects, shopping for various kinds of pleasures. That's all the mind thinks. So, Lord Krishna says, Yadahi na indriyarteshu anushadyade, when the mind has no more any attraction for the objects of pleasure. Understanding does not happen, that it must have attraction somewhere. It has found a greater attraction, therefore it is no more attracted to the objects of pleasure. Because if the mind has lost attraction of objects of pleasure and not discovered another attraction, then it's in a miserable state. Which is what sometimes happens, listening to Vedanta again and again, and listening to Vedantic teachers, this world is mitya, there is no, no happiness anywhere, etc. Which is true also. <coughs> and so, now I feel guilty. When watching TV, I'm not supposed to watch it because there's no happiness here. And so I can't go to wedding parties because it's, it's not supposed, I'm not supposed to do. And though the poor mind has lost the pleasure coming from these things, and then it doesn't have pleasure with itself, it's, it's nowhere. So when, when Lord Krishna says that the mind has no more any fascination or attraction for the objects of pleasure, what is meant is that it has gained an attraction or fascination with itself, meaning that it has discovered a joy in being with itself. Because mind must always have joy. The reason why the mind runs out is because it just feels bored inside, that's all. You try to meditate, you try to do something inside, mind gets bored, it's not interested, it doesn't get pleasure out of it, and so it runs away. So, yadahinendriyartheshu, when the mind is no more attracted, and this is raga. The other thing is dvesha. Mind also thinks of what it hates, you know, for whatever reason. Mind thinks of what it loves, and also thinks of what it hates. What does it hate? Anything that comes in his way of love, that's what becomes an object of hatred. So, that also mind thinks. So mind usually thinks about the thing that it likes and thing that it does not like. So as long as there are ragas and dveshas, the likes and dislikes in the mind, so long the mind will think of objects of likes and dislikes. There's no choice. So when Lord Krishna says, when the mind has no more any attraction towards the objects of pleasure, meaning there's no attachment and aversion, it has become essentially free from raga and dvesha. How does it happen? By, as we said, living a, in, an intelligent life, living a conscious life. By, as we said, that's what we were discussing in the last, last two days, living a conscious life. What is meant by conscious life is 
to understand what is it the mind wants. What exactly does it want? The poor thing does not know what it wants and therefore is running around everywhere. What does it want? That actually, it, as we said, it wants lasting happiness. It doesn't want bits and pieces of happiness. It wants lasting happiness. Where is the lasting happiness? It is nothing but my own self. And therefore, my life should become a process of unfolding or bringing to manifestation my own self. And for that, the actions should be performed in the spirit of yoga. Actions should not be made a means of producing gratification of senses or ego, but then actions should be made a means of worship, a means of contribution, a means of offering. Actions should be other-centered rather than self-centered. So this has to be done. And it calls for a lot of effort. <clears throat> so as a result of hard work, now the person has acquired a mind which has now become free from raga and dvesha because it progressively discovers a satisfaction with itself. Na karma <clears throat> Second thing is, the mind has no more any attachment towards actions or duties. There's another thing also, that when you grow in an environment which is duty-conscious, the Vedic culture is very duty-conscious, because duty is what is prescribed for everybody, and duty is what this person has been doing. Now, therefore the idea of duty also bothers me. Hey, I have to do this, I have to do that, I must do that, there is another thing that bothers me. So one idea that bothers me, I want to enjoy this and I want to enjoy that. Second thing that also bothers my mind is, I have to do this and I have to do that. Well, why do I need to do things? I need to do things because if I don't do them, then what will happen to me? If I don't do them, there is a sense of guilt. Or if I don't perform a certain action, then I will not get the reward that I want. So action also is a means of getting a personal gratification. Therefore, action all the mind also is thinking of what to do to achieve the desired ends. So as long as the mind is desiring various ends, various pleasures, so long action also becomes necessary because action is a means of achieving what the mind wants. Mind cannot get what it wants unless it performs an appropriate action. So ultimate end is seeking gratification and means of seeking gratification is action. So I must go and pro procure something, I must go and, you know, shop something, I must go and earn the money. All these things have to be done to acquire the desired objects. Therefore, karma is a means of fulfilling the desires. So on one hand, the mind has desires, the desire is a disturbing factor. And to fulfill the desire, the mind plans about the various actions we perform, then that action also becomes a disturbing factor. So Lord Krishna says that when the mind attains a state, attains that self-satisfaction, attains contentment, it is now happy with itself, so that it is no more in need of seeking gratification from the world. 
Don't say that it is no more seeking the gratification. We should say that it is no more in need of seeking gratification. As long as mind is needy, so long it will find its ways. But when its need of gratification is satisfied with its own self, as you say in the morning, when the mind, to the extent that the mind becomes clearer, to that extent the happiness which is my own self becomes more evident. And when thus the ragadveshas are gone, then the mind is quite content with itself because the happiness which is a self is now a matter of experience. And therefore it has become free from the need of seeking gratification and therefore has become free from need to perform actions. <clears throat> In duty also, as we said, can create a sense of guilt when I perform, fail to perform my duty. When the mind recognizes that now I have done enough. Mind is contentment that I have done what needs to be done. Now I some other duty. Now duty towards myself. So first, the person has duty towards the world. And then, he has duty towards his own self. So mind recognizes that whatever I needed to do for the world has been done. Says Manusmati, Runani Trini Apakratya Mano Mokshe Niveshayad. When you have paid off your threefold debts. So Vedas talk of the debts. Jayamanavi Brahmana Trivir Runvan Jayate. A person, even as he is born, is born with debt. Debt towards the parents and ancestors for their having given me this body and nurtured it and nourished it. Debt towards the teachers and sages for them having given me this storehouse of knowledge. The debt towards devatas, all various gods, for their doing what they are doing, for sustenance of my life. So we are all indebted. And when we recognize how we are indebted in life, how we are always receiving the the benefits of what everybody else is doing, a recognition of that brings in me a sense of gratitude. And therefore, Vedas prescribe that a person should perform the duties to, in return, to return the favor to the parents and ancestors, to the teachers and sages, to the gods, to other human beings, to other creatures, because you are receiving from them, and therefore it is your duty to return the favor. And therefore they say that if a person shirks this responsibility, he abandons his duties, and runs away from the life and becomes a sannyasi, so sannyasa cannot be running away from life. It should be a result of having done what is needed to be done. So now person is satisfaction. There are done what was needed to be done. And therefore now I can attend to my own self, which is the self-knowledge, which is the which is my spiritual growth. Or to fulfill the basic need of knowing the self. So when that contentment also has come. They have done what needed to be done. So when the mind is contented, it has become free from the need of seeking gratification because it is quite satisfied with itself. It is free from need to perform various actions to achieve things because now there is no need to achieve. 
it is free from a sense of guilt for not performing duties because it is satisfied that I have done what needed to be done. <coughs> so these are the three sources of disturbance in the mind. One is the likes and dislikes I have towards objects and people and things. Secondly, the urge need to perform actions to fulfill my likes and dislikes. And thirdly, the urge to perform my duty. So these three are called sankalpa. Various sankalpas arise. Either sankalpa or resolve to enjoy a certain thing, or a resolve or a thought of doing something, or a thought of having to perform my duty. These three kinds of sankalpa thoughts are generally disturbing the mind. And that is what makes it difficult for me to perform my meditation or contemplation. Therefore, Lord Krishna says that when a person's mind has become free from all these three kinds of disturbances, as a result of having discovered a satisfaction with itself, a contentment with itself, an acceptance of itself, then you can say that he is Yoga Ruda. Now, he is ready to give up all his duties, take to life of contemplation, take to life of pursuit of knowledge as a full-time basis. Earlier also he was doing. It is not that you have to become a renunciate to pursue the knowledge. You do along with your duties. But now that phase of Karma Yoga is over and he can totally devote himself to what needs to be done. <coughs> Sarva Sankalpa Sanyasi a person who has become free from all the sankalpas, all the thoughts of doing that or enjoying something, the thoughts pertaining to enjoying something or the thoughts pertaining to doing something, when a person's mind has become free from these thoughts, yoga rudha tadochyate, then we can say that is yoga rudha. He has climbed the horse of yoga. Meaning that he has gained now the capacity to meditate or capacity to contemplate upon the self. <clears throat> then what do we do? Having gained this yoga arudhatvam, having gained that kind of mind, what should one do? The fifth verse tells us that. Uddharedatmanatmanam Natmanam avasadayed Atmaivashyatmano bandhu Atmaivaripuratmanah A very beautiful verse Uddharet Atmana Atmanam May one lift oneself by oneself. So Lord Krishna says that we have to help ourselves. May one lift oneself by oneself. Lift from where? The we are already drowning, or we are as a submerged in the ocean of samsara. So already we are submerged or drowning. From there we have to lift ourselves up. 
What do you mean we are drowning? We are, we are submerged or we are in the ocean of samsara. Because we are born ignorant. And as we said, ignorance creates an identification with my body-mind complex. And therefore, I take my solute body. I take my solute mind or intellect. And therefore, I, I suffer from a sense of individuality, what we call ego, which is a product of identification with the body-mind complex. On account of taking the body to be myself, I look upon myself as a mortal being. I think that I was born, I'm going to die someday, I'm mortal, and never suffer from a sense of mortality, also from fear of death. This body-mind complex is a very small, insignificant thing. They were always feel very small and limited. And there is ignorance in intellect. Therefore, I look upon myself as an ignorant person. So thus, from the birth, I am, I am suffering from these complexes. That I am a mortal being, I am an ignorant being, I am a small being, therefore I am unhappy being, I'm a helpless being, so this is what I'm, I'm in fact, this is how I take, take myself, this is my perception of myself. I'm born with this. Nobody should be held responsible for that. Neither mother nor father or anybody, you know, I'm born with it. It's my own history, and everybody's history. That we are born ignorant. Why is it so? That is so. Swami, why am I ignorant? I don't know. And why do I take this body to myself? I don't know. But this is what it is. This is a habit. <clears throat> so Lord Krishna says that the only cause of our sorrow or feeling unhappy is because we find ourselves a limited being. And if limitedness was my nature, then that limitedness would not bother me. Because everything is comfortable with its own nature. As we said, the fire is never bothered by being hot because it is its nature, it's comfortable. A worm that grows in poison has no problem with poison because that is its nature. When is the problem? When I am somehow deviated from or separated from my nature. So water is problem when it becomes hot because heat is not the nature of water. Therefore, it struggles to get rid of it. And so also, anytime I feel limited, I struggle to get rid of the sense of limitation. Anytime I feel helpless, I struggle to get rid of that sense of helplessness. I cannot stand helplessness, I cannot stand dependence, I cannot stand being controlled, I cannot stand sense of limitation. I cannot, because all of this is against my nature. And all my attempts have always been to try to save myself from that I am doing it. Whatever I am doing in my life is just to become free, to become independent, so that I am no more helpless. Swami, I have my own money, I have my own bank account, I don't bother, you know, I am not dependent. I can help take care of myself, I help myself. Assert my independence. I don't need anything. There's a need. The way we are trying to satisfy that need is, is not going to work out. 
I can never become independent that way because I am always, there is an interdependence. I depend upon the world for many things. And Vedanta does not say that even a liberated person is independent in that sense. He still needs to breathe air, so he requires air. He still requires sunlight. He requires us to walk upon. He requires water to quench his thirst. He requires food to appease his hunger. He also requires that. So that way we can never become independent. Nor is it necessary to become independent. It is emotional dependence that we are talking about, which is where the samsara is, emotional dependence. I cannot do without something. I cannot stand something. And so, all along in my life, I have been trying to become independent. I am trying to become free from limitations. That is what I have been trying to do all the time. Well, Lord Krishna says that, if you do not do that intelligently, then, instead of becoming free from dependence, you become more and more dependent. As I say, what is meant by progress? Progress is converting luxuries into necessities. So what was a luxury ten years ago has become a necessity. I cannot do without a cell phone. I cannot. I wonder how did people live without cell phones, Swamiji? How? What will you do without a cell phone? In fact, there was no telephone, let alone cell phone. There was a time when I, we didn't even have a telephone. You didn't know any better anyway. When the telephone came, then it became a necessity. Cell phone came, became a even necessity. Then cordless phone came, that became a necessity. Now cell phone, necessity. What comes with a great luxury becomes a necessity. This is the nature of mind. To become dependent, to get attached. We do not even know how the mind gets attached. It's only when you're leaving your home and go to a new place and realize how much attached you are. Children, when they attend this camp for a week, then they cry at them. The last day, they don't want to go home. They were attached to their friends, attached to this place. I, in the earlier camps, the children used to keep awake for the whole previous evening, night, whole night, exchanging emails and this and that, and then they're all just hanging out because this is the last, you know, they, they no more will be together. How we get attached to our home, to pieces of furniture, to our clothes, to various things. Let alone our children and our near and dear ones we get attached, but we even get attached to other things. Because when the mind discovers certain comfort, then it always wants more and more and more and more, and soon before we realize, we are attached. So there is bondage because I, when I cannot do without something, I am bound to that thing. Magnam samsaravarada viveka churamani In fact, viveka churamani uh, explains this verse. Uddhare dātmanātmanam magnam samsaravaridhau He yourself is magnam, is submerged in the ocean of samsara. What is the ocean of samsara? Not because a person is married that there is samsara. As Swami used to say, this person walks into his cottage and say, yes, Swami says, come, come in. Swami, I brought my samsara also with me. <laughs> Who is the samsara? His wife and children. But wife and children doesn't mean samsara, doesn't have to mean samsara. Samsara is 
not that I am married or that I have a family or that I have this thing. That's not samsara. Samsara is that I am bound to them. I, I cannot do without something or I cannot do with something. The attachment or the aversion, the relationship, attachment, aversion is what we call bondage. Love is not the bondage as much as attachment and aversion are bondage. <clears throat> and so, magnam samsara varadhau. I am so dependent, so helpless. And I'm trying to help myself all along to become independent, to become, you know, that I'm trying. Unfortunately, in the process of trying to become independent, I'm becoming more and more dependent. Formerly, I had only 50 things, which was okay, now I have 500 things, meaning that I need 500 things today. Or, when a sannyasi gives the 500 things, now he's only 50 things, but his, his attachment to 50 things is now 10 times what it was 500 things, sometimes. So, Lord Krishna says, may you lift yourself by yourself. Yourself means by your viveka buddhi, by your sense of discrimination, by your wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom that Vedanta gives us, the Viveka or intelligence that Vedanta gives us. Vedanta gives us, in fact, new perception about life. Vedanta says that, hey, you are not what you take yourself to be. You are the limitless self, and therefore, all you need to do is to discover that fact. So make your, therefore, every time the mind comes up with a need, every time the mind condemns itself, Every time the mind dislikes itself, let us confront that mind. So what is samsara? My not being at peace with myself. My not liking myself. My not accepting myself. And that is what always creates a conflict within. In fact, I should say that that is a major source of disturbance in the mind that the mind does not accept itself. I blame myself sometimes, I feel guilty, or sometimes I feel I am no good, sometimes I feel... world also tells me that anyway. It helps me. Keeps on telling me you are no good, you are no good. And I, al- I already have a problem with me. And as they say, they pour butter into fire, or they sprinkle salt on the wound, that's another expression. However, sprinkling salt on the wound. The world always sprinkles salt on the wound. I already have the wound. What's the wound? Not being happy with myself. Not accepting myself. Sometimes rejecting myself. Condemning myself. And suffering. As I said, all suffering or unhappiness or sorrow comes from my not accepting myself or my rejecting myself. That's samsara. And regardless of what I do, somehow what I do doesn't seem to help me, it seems to hurt me only. Because when I do things, then I expect all right that I must be now successful and then that if it does not happen, again I start blaming myself further. I try to please the world thinking that that way I'll be happy but the world doesn't get pleased regardless of what I do. Again I start blaming myself. 
in case I am able to please the world, then expectation of world also increases. The time comes when I cannot please them anyway. Even when I become successful, my own expectation of myself increases such that a day comes when I cannot meet with my own expectation of myself. So sometimes I am so hard with own, my own self. And regardless of what I do, I cannot satisfy myself. So, Lord Krishna said, this is samsara. Nothing else is samsara. Not that I am gone, or that I have a body, that I have a family. That's not samsara. That I have problem with myself. That's a samsara. And therefore, magnam samsara varidhau, thus you are submerged in this ocean of samsara, or ocean of conflict, or ocean of sorrow, which is brought about by your own self. Therefore, Uddharet Atmana Atmanam. Therefore, you should lift yourself, save yourself by yourself. If you see this tendency in the mind, address the mind. And bring the right tendency. So, all this sense of smallness comes on account of identification of body-mind complex. Therefore, remind the self. I'm not the body, I'm not the mind, I'm not this. In fact, the fact is that I am Brahman. So this is the kind of contemplation that is required to be done. That's called Uddhara. The way to lift myself is to, to actually have the perception of myself as I really am. I remind I am not what I take myself to be. Yes, this body is there, mind is there, intellect is there, this is there. But that's not I. I am someone different from them. They are, they are mine, I have a special relationship with them, okay, no doubt. I have a special relationship with body, etc. But then I am not the body. I have a special relationship with the house, I am not the house. A special relationship with my car, I am not the car. A special relationship doesn't mean that identification. Your mind don't judge yourself based on the limitations of the body. The body is always limited. Then don't judge yourself by limitations of the body. Don't equate yourself. Remind, in fact, that I am not the body. I am Brahman. That's what Upanishad teaches. This is called contemplation. And so this contemplation, this should be done all the time. Reminding myself that in fact limitlessness is my nature, consciousness is my nature, happiness is my nature, freedom is my nature. And therefore, what I take myself to be is a notion about myself which is a product of ignorance. So mind's tendency to always look down upon itself, to always keep on branding itself as limited, and then demanding that I should be limitless, that's another thing. In fact, my mind demands that I should be perfect, I should be limitless, I should be free, I should be independent, this is what the mind demands, and brand itself as bound, as imperfect, and then suffers. So. Ignorance has brought about certain patterns in the mind. Some habitual patterns in the mind. Habitual patterns of looking at our own self. 
which also brings about the habitual patterns of looking at the world. So my distorted perception of myself also brings about a distorted perception of the world and distorted perception of God. And it is this wrong or distorted perceptions which are the cause of my sorrow. And therefore, my constant effort is to keep changing my perception. When by habit, the mind comes up with a complex of perception, I change it. It says, no, this is not right. At other levels also this can be done. Because of this sense of smallness, there is insecurity in me. Because of insecurity, I am always looking out for my self-interest. Therefore, I become a self-centered person. And therefore, whatever actions I perform, I always perform for self-gratification and nothing else. Unfortunately, more I gratify myself, more the need for gratification becomes, as we said, because this gratification is like fire and more I try to satisfy that, more demanding it becomes. So let me recognize that this process of self-gratification is never going to be, uh, is never going to be successful. And therefore, let me, as the, as the Vedas or as the Bhagavad Gita teaches, let my life become other-centered, not self-centered. Just bring about a transformation in the thinking of the mind. To feel insecure is a habitual thing. And because of that, to perform actions, to fill up my, to remove insecurity is also habitual. If insecurity was a reality about myself, someday I can actually remove it. It's not a reality. And therefore, these are not legitimate feelings about myself. It's like Don Quixote fighting with, with air, you know, fighting with some imaginary things. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to remove some imaginary insecurity and imaginary things which are not there. And so, keeping this teaching in mind is Viveka Buddhi. That may my life become karma yoga. Let, let it become yoga. Even though mind comes up with resistance, it says, oh, but what will happen to you? So again, I keep on educating my mind that, that it is, I can help myself only when I am other-centered. I am hurting myself when I am self-centered. Bring Ishwara into life. Insecurities are there. Remind the mind, hey, who has taken care of you all the time? Even as you were born, everything was ready for you. The food was kept ready, the air was there, the water was there, whatever you needed was there. As you were growing up also, whatever you needed was always there. Without even you asking for them. So there is somebody who takes care, why are you worried? No, no, but what if my house goes away? No, what will happen? Oh, I'll be on the sidewalk, so what? Suppose. If you keep asking, so what? You find that there is nothing, no big deal really. There are people who are living on sidewalks, there are people who live in hutments, there are people who do those things, and they live their life. Suppose that is a life, okay, we like, we'll, what will happen if that happens? We'll cross the bridge when it comes up. Right now I need not worry about things. Mostly it is all fear of the future. 
what will happen if this, what will happen if that. We'll see what happens. Whoever has given me this life, whoever has given me the life also has been taking care of it. If he doesn't take care of it, we'll see. Unnecessary fears, unnecessary insecurities. I mean, it's not the fault of the mind because that is his habit. Thus, these are all these, what we call, built-in habitual patterns of the mind, which are all self-hurting patterns. All the time, I'm hurting myself. And what I'm doing to prevent the hurt only brings further hurt. That is why the teaching becomes important. That let your life become yoga, life of yoga. May you become a contributor rather than a consumer. May you learn to be other-centered rather than self-centered. Don't compromise values. Be honest. Be truthful. Well, then Swami, what will I get? You know, you, you always finish the last if you follow these values. Doesn't matter. Be contented with what you get by your honest effort. Don't ask for something that you don't deserve. Or there is not in your right, uh, you know, you, you, you don't have right for. Never. Be honest. Be sensible. Be responsible. Work hard. Do the best that you can do. And whatever outcome it brings, be satisfied with that. But somebody is more, bless him. If somebody is more. Don't feel jealous because somebody is more, bless him. And, and may God give him more. But I want more. Don't want. Don't don't ask for anything. This asking means a beggar. If you ask for it, you'll get it. You will not know what to do with it. What you have right now is the result of what you ask for. So it's better not to ask for anything. Leave it to God as to what to give me. Because in His infinite wisdom, He'll give me the right thing. In my limited wisdom, I keep on asking for things and creating trouble for myself. So, oh mind, don't become, remain a beggar. This is Uddharet, Atmana Atmanam. May I be always looking at myself, looking at my mind, looking at the habitual patterns of the mind and recognize how those ways of thinking are self-hurting. There is nothing else in the world that makes me unhappy. That's what Lord Krishna says. Atmaiva, Hyatmanabandhu, Atmaiva, Ripuhatmanaha, I can be my own friend, I can be my own enemy. <clears throat> so right thinking and right and, and right behavior is the way to help myself, and wrong thinking and wrong behavior is the way to hurt myself. It is I who can help myself, it is I who can hurt myself. This is a very peculiar thing about human being. As far as other living beings are concerned, as we said, they can neither help themselves nor can they hurt themselves. <clears throat> but then they cannot grow also. Human being has a free will which by using judiciously will become a means of his growth. At the same time, the same freedom, if not used judiciously, can become a cause of his bondage. 
ಆತ್ಮೈವ ಹ್ಯಾತ್ಮನೋ ಬಂಧು ಆತ್ಮೈವ ರಿಪುಹು ಆತ್ಮನಃ ಆತ್ಮ ದ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಕೆನ್ ಮೈ ಬಂಧು ಕೆನ್ ಮೈ ಮೈ ಫ್ರೆಂಡ್ ದ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಕೆನ್ ಮೈ ಮೈ ಎನಿ ಸೊ ಅಂಡರ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಡೋಂಟ್ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ದಟ್ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪನ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಹೌ ವಿ ಗೆಟ್ ಅಟ್ಯಾಚ್ಡ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಹೌ ವಿ ಡೆವಲಪ್ ಎವರ್ಜನ್ಸ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಎಸ್ ಟು ಹೌ ದ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಕಿಪ್ಸ್ ಆನ್ ಡಿಸೈರಿಂಗ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ವೆರಿ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಪೇ ಅಟೆನ್ಷನ್ ಟು ಅವರ್ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಟು ಅವರ್ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ವೆರಿ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ಯು ಡೋಂಟ್ ನೀಡ್ ಎನಿ ಯು ಡೋಂಟ್ ನೀಡ್ ಎನಿ ಥೆರಪಿಸ್ಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ಥೆರಪಿಸ್ಟ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಇಸ್ ಈಶ್ವರ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ಥೆರಪಿಸ್ಟ್ ಅವರ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಸೇಸ್ ಈಶ್ವರ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಗ್ರೇಟೆಸ್ಟ್ ಥೆರಪಿಸ್ಟ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಅಲಾವ್ ಹಿಮ್ ಟು ವರ್ಕ್ ಆನ್ ಯು ಹೌ ಇಸ್ ಈಶ್ವರ್ ಅ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ಥೆರಪಿಸ್ಟ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಹಿ ಕೀಪ್ಸ್ ಕ್ರಿಯೇಟಿಂಗ್ ಸಿಚುವೇಶನ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಮಾಮೆಂಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಯುಡ್ ಕನ್ಫ್ರಂಟ್ ನಾವು ಇಸ್ ಅ ಥೆರಪಿಸ್ಟ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಸಿಚುವೇಶನ್ ಇಸ್ ಕ್ರಿಯೇಟೆಡ್ ಹೆಲ್ಪ್ ಯು ಬಟ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಕೀಪ್ ಆನ್ ರಿಯಾಕ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಟು ದೆನ್ ಇಫ್ ಸೋ ಐ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಲೈಕ್ ದಿಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಗುಡ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಗುಡ್ ಯು ಕೀಪ್ ಆನ್ ರಿಜೆಕ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ದೆನ್ ಈಶ್ವರ ಕೆ ನಾಟ್ ಹೆಲ್ಪ್ ಹಿ ಇಸ್ ಲೈಕ್ ಅ ಸ್ಕಲ್ಪ್ಟರ್ ಎ ಸ್ಕಲ್ಪ್ಟರ್ ಹೂ ಇಸ್ ಡಿವರ್ಡ್ ಟು ಸ್ಕಲ್ಪ್ಟ್ ಎ ರಾಕ್ ಆರ್ ಅ ಸ್ಟೋನ್ ಟು ಬ್ರಿಂಗ್ ಔಟ್ ಅ ವೆರಿ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಇಮೇಜ್ but the stone should cooperate with sculpture because sculpture takes a hammer and a chisel in his hand and it seems to be very cruel chipping off things it must be painful to the, st- the rock i am sure it is painful similarly but ultimately what is inherent beauty is unveiled that beauty it was which was there inherently in the stone but which was covered is unveiled so also the inherent beauty is there within ourselves It is only covered by this ignorance and these wrong notions they have to go otherwise it won't be unveiled and ishwara has made it his business to do that if you allow him to do that and therefore even unpleasant that comes in the life should not be looked upon as a punishment should not, it should also be looked upon as a blessing pain also should not look upon as punishment see what we can learn from pain how we can become bigger than pain how we can grow in every situation because ishwara is doing this nobody else no swami ji he is he is hurting me that he is just an instrument nobody can do anything it is ishwara alone does everything the local people are agents that's all but the one who pulls the strings is ishwara he is karma phala data he is the one who dispenses the results of action like a postman brings me a money order of 500 dollars i don't have to congratulate him i don't have to treat him oh thank you very much come have dinner with me postman says why oh you are you, you know you brought 500 dollars you know so you are giving 500 dollars no swami i am not giving you you so and so i sent you i am just an agent the so same postman brings also all kinds of mail which brings good news sometimes bad news also postman is just an agent and so people in the world are only agents to give us what we need to go through that's all there are certain we are destined to go through certain pleasures and pains and the world and the people become just instruments the helping us to actually uh, work out our prarabdha destiny that's all
So rather than blaming them, rather than blaming anybody, this is Ishvara. Okay, what can I do? What can I learn from this? How can I grow? So yogi is a person who looks at every situation as an opportunity to grow. What is meant by growth is becoming bigger than what I am. Can I become more generous? Can I become more charitable? Can I become more compassionate? Can I become more kind? Every situation demands me to do that. I respond by becoming cruel. I respond by taking revenge. That's what I do. No. Everything, every situation wants me to become better than what I am. Uddharet, Atmana, Atmanam, may you use every situation in life to become a person who is better than what he was before that situation. Who is more kind, who is more generous, who is more compassionate. Because that is our true self. The nature of self is kindness and compassion. That is our true self. So whenever we act opposite to that, we are acting opposite of our own nature. So thus, Ishwara wants to do that to us, if you allow him. Therefore, what is meant by allowing Ishwara to do his job is, whatever Ishwara gives is accepted as prasada, is accepted as his gift, is accepted with grace. <clears throat> then we can learn what, you know, whatever we have to learn from that. So thus, life can become a process of learning and growing. So whatever we are taught, we are taught two things here. We are taught karma yoga, we are taught jnana yoga. We are taught about how to conduct ourselves and what are the basic realities of life. So always keep on applying that. Meaning that the life which is right now based on ignorance and the various false notions born of ignorance should be turned around and should become now, it should be based on knowledge. It should be based on Viveka or discrimination. Based on the right kind of thinking. Not positive thinking, but the right thinking. Positive thinking will give you you know, it's just a simple, it, it will help you a little bit, you know, that's all. But they cannot go too far. Because as Swamiji says, with positive, there is a negative thinking also. So positive bring about negative also, right thinking. Vedanta teaches us right thinking. So that's called Viveka Buddhi. That's called Viveka or dis- discrimination or discernment. Uddharet Atmana Atmanam. Therefore, may you lift yourself, help yourself, by yourself. So, one part of our mind, which is called intellect, has now gained this new understanding. When we expose ourselves to the teaching of Vedanta, we get new understanding, we get new perception. There is another part of the mind, which is what we call mind, or manas, which is the habitual reacting faculty. So understand that there are two parts of the mind. One part is the thinking, knowing and thinking part, which has capability of analyzing and discriminating and choosing. Other part is what we call manas, which is the habitual part, which reacts, doesn't think, it just reacts where all these patterns or habit are built in. So therefore, 
with the thinking mind, may you educate the habitual mind. In the thinking mind, let there be right kind of understanding which comes by exposing ourselves to the teaching of Vedanta. And may that understanding be constantly applied to the reacting mind, to the habitual mind, so that both of them come in alignment. What we want is an alignment between the manas and buddhi, with our emotions and with our, our understanding. Then we are yoga rudha. Therefore, Lord Krishna says that we constantly make an attempt, constantly strive to become yoga rudha, to gain a capacity of being with myself, gain capacity to be contemplative, gain a capacity to be uh, to enjoy a mind that is a leisure, the mind that has the equanimity, that enjoys the balance. No atman or sadhet, and don't ignore this. Because if I do not help myself, I will hurt myself. There is nothing, no third thing. Swami, I don't care. I don't want to grow. But if you do not want to grow, then you will go down. They say that when everybody is running, you should run along with them. If you don't, then you will run over. Similarly, we have to run. And we have to, because if you do not, then the nature of mind being what it is, it will become more and more habitual, more and more reacting, and, and drag me further and further downwards. Therefore, we have to do this. This is called Purushartha. This is real self-effort. And therefore, may the energies of the intellect and mind be used in this particular pursuit. And, by the way, you also need to have money, etc., to sustain yourself. Do that. While doing them also, do that on the basis of values, do that on the basis of yoga. Atmaiva Hyatmana Bandhu, Atmai Atmana, because Atma the self can be my friend and myself can be my enemy. The friend out there is because I superimpose friendliness upon that. There's an enemy out there because I superimpose enemy enmity upon that person. It's really my mind is my friend and my mind is my enemy. <coughs> okay, we'll continue. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapuna Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om